Hello all and welcome in. My name is Spencer Gonzalez. I'm joined here by Chris Jones and Joe Morales for this year's first episode of Icing the Ticker, WSOU Sports' number one fantasy football show. As I said before, my name is Spencer Gonzalez. I'll be your host today, joined by my analysts, Chris and Joe. We are absolutely ecstatic to be back here early August, first day of August today. Uh, preseason football is happening this week. The Hall of Fame game is, uh, you know, days away and we are ready to talk some fantasy football. Uh, uh, fellas, I'm excited to be here. Like I said before, Chris, let's start with you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And again, as you said today, doing a fantasy football podcast can't make my day much better because again, I've been a diehard football fan for probably six, seven years now. Giants guy, been tough. Tough few years, but again, still love the game of football and fantasy football. Still just a great way to get involved with the sport. Chris Spence, how you guys doing? I, I can't believe it's August 2nd already, and we have fantasy football talk. I feel like it was just the end of May uh, a couple weeks ago. We were just getting out of school, but here we are. It's fantasy football season, and te- I believe uh, today was first day of pads, right? So um, yes. at training camp. So we're back into the swing of, of football, and especially after – my Yankees trade deadline today. I'm ready to turn the page and get right to football, and I'm excited. Chris, the Giants will be really good this year, man. I'm telling you, it'll be really, really good. It's unfortunate this is a uh, fantasy football podcast. I could talk about the baseball trade deadline <laughs> all day, but I can also talk about fantasy football all day. Boys, let's just jump right into it. The number one thing on a lot of fantasy football managers' minds is this whole Jonathan Taylor situation. Number one running back two years ago. Last year was almost the consensus number one pick in almost all fantasy football leagues. Didn't have the year he wanted to last year, but Jonathan Taylor is still a back that fantasy football teams can use and can, uh, you know, rely on for such a heavy workload. And this whole situation with him and Jim Ursay, trade talks, disgruntlement between the two parties, is very concerning for fo- fantasy football fans. Jonathan Taylor and uh, many running backs across the league, if you don't know, have been kind of discussing the role of running backs and their contracts, negotiations, and situations. They feel they've been treated unfairly by many NFL organizations, and Jonathan Taylor is one of those backs that feels that way, especially after the yards and seasons he's put up for Indianapolis. He's in a contract year. This will be his fourth season. Um and him and Jim Irsay got into a little spat back and forth, not directly with each other, I don't think. Maybe a, a meeting here or there, but mostly, you know, over the media and uh, Twitter, um, Jim Irsay saying that uh, neither of them would be missed if they were out of the league tomorrow. Jonathan Taylor coming back saying that, you know, he's done so much for this Colts organization. And now it's circulating that Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade from the organization after the Colts have threatened to put him on non-football injury, uh, the non-football injury list, which would take away any pay he would get during the season and effectively render him useless in negotiations for a contract. This is a very volatile situation. Uh, you know, contract disputes happen on the uh, NFL offseasons a ton, but this one seems very highbrow, very high level. So how will this affect fantasy football? Well, we don't know when he's going to return. We don't know if he's going to get traded. We don't know if he'll return. So, guys, I want to ask your thoughts, your ideas on this. If he does return, when do you think he will? And is it worth drafting him high in that first round? Joe, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this Jonathan Taylor situation? Well, I think he will be present for week one. I think that taking him early on in your drafts is perfectly fine. 
And the whole Jim Irsay situation, it's been a wild year or so with him, dating back to the Jeff Saturday stuff. And even before that, the Colts have not been the model organization the last couple of years. It's really odd for an owner when really he had no need to do this, to call out the running back like this, especially when, I mean, let's call it like it is, their best player is their running back. Jonathan Taylor is their best player. And especially with a rookie quarterback in here with with Anthony Richardson supposedly he might start week one if he does start week one or whenever he does play Jonathan Taylor is going to be his best friend so for the owner to call out maybe the most important player on the team this year just as training camp opens is very unwise and you're right it puts us fantasy owners in a really tough spot but in the end of the day I don't think he's gonna get traded I think he will play because at the end of the day like you said, Spencer, it's a contract year. And like we saw with the with, with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, it takes a while for running backs to get paid. And sometimes they don't get paid. But it's in Jonathan Taylor's best interest to play football this year and try and get the try and get the Colts back on track. Joe, you said it best. When you're always on that last contract year, this is your year to prove that you are the player, you're the franchise guy at this position for the organization. This is your year to be that player. And again, just like Saquon Barkley, he didn't want to stay. He he was like, I deserve the money. But again, it was something that players don't realize. Running back is a very important position. But at the position you are, it's a position that has a lot of risks. Risks meaning injuries, a lot of injury history. These running backs haven't always been the most consistent when it comes to health. We had Jonathan Taylor last season with his ankle. Again, Saquon, ACL, ankle. Like, all these types of injuries happen with running backs very frequently. That's what makes it very tough to pay these kind of players because you don't know if they're going to be here next week. Are they going to be able to play next week? Are they going to get injured? It's a very tough thing to know at a very important position. And organizations don't want to take that risk a lot of times. So to pay them a lot of, them, a lot of money comes with a lot of risk. But, again, when it comes to the Colts, comes to Jonathan Taylor – I truly believe he's going to stay. He's going to want to show them that they're his guy, or he's their guy. He's going to want to be that 1,000-yard rusher, 1,500-yard. He wants to get those yards proved to them. And, again, but they're in a weird position right now because we just said they drafted the quarterback, Anthony Richardson, completely different quarterback to what they're used to. Mobile quarterback getting outside the pocket, making extra yards happen with his legs, and also just now getting a new coach with Shane Steichen, I believe, completely new everything, the whole coaching staff. It's all being changed. It's going to be a situation they're all going to have to get used to. But again, I truly believe Jonathan Taylor is going to stay and want to prove that he is their guy. I can't help but agree uh, with both of you. I, uh, this contract year, we see so many players step up to bat. Not, not, not step up to bat football, but step up and really show their worth to an organization. And like last year, Joe mentioned, Josh Jacobs went insane in that contract year and he, you know, earned himself some money. And I think that, uh, Josh Jacobs isn't even as good as Jonathan Taylor is. Jonathan Taylor's a 24 year old guy, by the way. There's still six years of, of actual production you can get from him because, you know, 30 is the magic number for running backs. But, uh, this guy deserves a contract right now, in my opinion. Okay. And I get it. Running backs are, you know, dangerous because they take so much of a, a, a workload and they take so much punishment that they can get injured a lot easier. 
rookie year, though, he rushed for 1,100 yards. Next year, 1,800 yards and 18 touchdowns. One of the best seasons from a running back we've seen in a bit. And then last year, in 11 games played, he still rushed for 861 yards, okay? On a Colts team, a Colts offense, that was abysmal. And coached by Jeff Saturday, as we talked about earlier, okay? Jonathan Taylor was by far and away one of the best players, or the best player on this team. Um, and I still believe he is. But uh you guys mentioned it before, Anthony Richardson. You've got a full new regime coming in. You got a full new quarterback here. Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, going that high in the draft, there's a lot riding on him being successful this year. A lot of scouts said he wasn't NFL ready to start week one. But the Colts, more than likely, uh, unless Gardner Minshew has an unbelievable camp and uh, preseason, Anthony Richardson, I think, is your guy. Okay. And to shove him into a position where he doesn't have one of the top backs in the NFL right by his side to take a little bit of that workload off of him is just setting him up for failure. So I think that Jonathan Taylor will be back if the Colts are smart. Uh, we don't know whatever Jim Mersey's on, what he's doing. But, uh, you know, he, he better get things together um, because Jonathan Taylor needs to be there. But moving on to those other pieces, uh, because Anthony Richardson is a very interesting commodity in the fantasy football world. Many people are saying he could be the steal of your fantasy football draft, um, you know, since he's such a raw talent. It depends on how he, uh, you know, progresses along in his NFL career. You also have Michael Pittman Jr., who's a big commodity at the wide receiver position. A lot of people taking him as their wide receiver, too, uh, you know. Uh, so uh, how do you guys think that this Jonathan Taylor situation will affect those two players in fantasy football drafts? And um, uh, Chris, we'll start with you. So when it comes to Michael Pittman, I had him on my team last year. He was a, a guy who got consistent targets, was one of the main receivers on that team, was a guy who got looked to very often. But when you look at how he got targeted, he was not always a guy to get deep shots downfield. He was getting four-yard passes, five-yard passes, at most 10 yards. He was never someone to get those big plays, big touchdowns, score you a lot of points. And now, especially, as we just said, with Anthony Richardson coming in, having the legs, having the ability to move outside the pocket and get five, 10, 15-yards rushing, that's going to take a lot away from Michael Pittman because Anthony Richardson could definitely find a way to get out of the pocket. And just it's so much easier for him to do that instead of trying to force something downfield, force a pick, anything like that. So in my opinion, Michael Pittman this year, I am highly downgrading him compared to last year. Because he's in a way different situation, different quarterback. Again, with the running back situation, who knows what's going to happen there. But again, Michael Pittman's value based off of the situation they're in is going to be very tough for him to thrive in. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, it's, it's the situation. Yes, Chris, but it's also the unknown with the Colts. So number one, who's their starting quarterback? And two, what kind of quarterback is Anthony Richardson? You might have a situation where Anthony Richardson quite literally can't get Michael Pittman the ball. So that's going to be a, a very interesting thing when it comes to, to drafts because at least on Yahoo, the website I use to play all my fantasy um, leagues, he's the, he's ranked, he's ranked 14, which in, at least in my case, in a 12 team league and what people mostly play in 12 or 10 teams, that's the, the, the bottom tier of starting quarterback. So he could be in conversation if he's starting week one to be a starting quarterback on a team that, that needs a quarterback late in the draft. But the inconsistency of the Colts will not help Michael Pittman, but 
the inconsistent, or at least the unknown right now with Jonathan Taylor also doesn't help Anthony Richardson. It might have a, a, a someone might take a, a Derek Carr or a Russell Wilson over him if, if they're as high on Anthony Richardson as, as they are. But it doesn't help the situation with those two. And personally, I would shy away from Richardson or Pittman early on, at least for me, because I don't like the unknown. I like to have the the... You know, I like to know what's going to happen. So personally, I'd stay away from those guys. I feel you on that. I just, uh, Anthony Richardson is such a unique case. You know, he has all the intangibles of, you know, some of the great quarterbacks. You just don't know how he'll move on into the NFL type game where it gets so much faster, so much more physical. I can't help but feel like he'll progress at some point in the season. Like he'll really take up a step. And I'd hate to be a fantasy owner that, you know, watched him get drafted in the last round. That's personally me. I think any opinion on Anthony Richardson is as right as the next because, you know, he is such an unknown to fantasy football owners. But, uh, guys, let's just say, uh, you know, you're listening now. You still don't feel good about this whole JT uh, thing. You don't know if he's going to get his contract. You don't know how well he's going to do, uh, you know, in this, in this organization, uh, if he's still upset with the way he hasn't got his contract. Um, you may take him off your board. If, if Jonathan Taylor isn't one of your number one running backs, who do you suggest to fantasy owners to be that number one running back? That one running back you should be taking high on in your fantasy drafts. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. Who's your running back number one going into these drafts? To be fair, I didn't have Jonathan Taylor as my number one. I didn't have Christian McCaffrey as my running back number one. I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big Austin Eckler guy, and I don't know if this is the trendy pick or what it's going to be because I haven't done a whole, lot, a whole lot of mock drafts. But in my opinion, Austin Eckler is the guy. If you have the number one pick or number two pick, you got to go with him because he's the best running back in fantasy football. Not only is he always on the field inside of the 20 yard line but he's so explosive for these big uh, these big um these big runs where he could be on the 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 opposing 40 the opposing 30 or excuse me his own 30 his own 40 and get down the field and score a couple touchdowns he leads he's always near the top in rushing yards and touchdowns like I said so I wasn't even going to take Jonathan Taylor number one I wasn't going to take Christian McCaffrey number one if I have the choice of the first running back I'm going Austin Eckler So I, I very much respect that. As a guy who had Austin Eckler last year, it was greatest year of my life having him as my number one running back. It was beautiful. The only thing I the only issue I have with him is they have so much depth that you we see them a lot of the times on the field. Joshua Kelly, you see him a lot during midfield. He's taken some first down, second down carries sometimes. That's the only issue I have with him. Sometimes he's a red red zone threat out the wazoo like the biggest red zone threat ever it's it's crazy but me personally my number one running back is someone who i feel like not many people are speaking about right now because he kind of went under the radar had a very quiet season nick chubb this year is going to have an amazing year it's i am so excited for this Kareem Hunt's out of the situation the reports are saying in training camp he is nick chubb is becoming the receiving back that everyone hoped he would be this is Nick Chubb's year to finally be that dude, become that running back one overall. He's going to be that dude. Personally, am I going to take him as the first running back if I had the first or second pick? Probably not. But, like, later in the first round, maybe at the turn into the second, he's that guy. That, like, at that point, that value on him is absolutely going to skyrocket, and he's going to carry teams into that championship. Both fantastic picks. Chris, I was just looking at Nick Chubb's stats, as you said, Nick Chubb. 
Uh, you know, you stole the words almost right out of my head. Uh, he's a beast. I've always loved Nick Chubb. I was so upset when I didn't get him in last year's draft. And, you know, I'm going to be eyeing him when we do, uh, you know, fantasy football drafts here soon, uh, like middle, late August. But uh, this guy was a beast last year. All 17 games, he played 1,500 yards. He got 300-plus carries. He got 40 targets through the air. Like, uh, this is a guy that is such a pivotal point of that Cleveland offense. And especially since, uh, me personally, I'm not high into Sean Watson after, you know, all this crazy stuff he went through and he's coming to Cleveland now. I just don't think he's the same quarterback and I don't think he will be the same quarterback. I think a lot of people are ranking Sean Watson very uh, high, well, too high in my opinion, but that's another discussion. I don't feel good about Sean Watson and if he's not playing well, Nick Chubb is getting the ball, you know, way more in a game. I, I feel great about Nick Chubb. That's a great point. Austin Eckler is another guy who, you know, fantasy football owners gush over year in and year out. I mean, uh, the guy's just a beast through the air and on the ground. He is the definition of a bell cow for any team, and he's been doing it consistently for the past three seasons. Um, so uh, both fantastic, fantastic picks, and I, I think you couldn't go wrong with either back. Um, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. Very interesting guy, in my opinion, because last year, amazing year. Uh, it totally revitalized in that San Francisco uh, uh, offense. But the injuries, always the injuries with him, uh, that always prevents me from drafting him. I have drafted him like maybe two or three times, and I think each year he had some crazy thing where he was out for an extended period of time. He's just horrible. He is such a great talent. Um, so that, that makes me weary when I look to him early on in a draft. Do I think he may have, you know, uh, turned a corner here with San Francisco? He has a different role where he's not taking that much of a beating. Maybe last year was really good, uh, uh, look for him. He was, uh, healthy throughout that entire time, uh, throughout the entire stint with San Francisco. He was putting up great numbers. Um, so Christian McCaffrey definitely deserves to be up there in those top three backs, but I personally wouldn't take him. I like both of those picks, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb. Um, and I think Saquon Barkley, another, you know, uh, uh, moment to be made or, uh, uh, opinion to be made there, but he's another guy. Gotta be weary with injuries. Moving on though. Uh, uh let's move on, uh, to a segment I want to do here called, does he still have it? Folks, this is the most interesting thing to me when it comes to fantasy football. Every year we get stars, you know, old on the older side. You know, they've been producing year in and year out. They've maybe been one of your favorites to draft every year, but they move a team. They're getting a little older. And you got to ask yourself in the middle of that draft, second, third round, does he still have it? And there are plenty of NFL all-stars out here that we could ask that question about. Um, so. Fellas, I want to, you know, play this game with you. I want to see your opinion on these uh, uh, very big NFL stars and see if you think he still has it. Let's start off first with the biggest NFL kerfuffle of the offseason, ranging over months with back and forth and interview here. Pat McAfee show is going to announce it. He never announced it. We all know Aaron Rodgers is a guy that has been producing the NFL year in and year out for over a decade now, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, has now moved to the Jets just like his, you know, his uh, former quarterback he looked up to, Brett Favre. He's following that same path. Aaron Rodgers now 39 years old, coming off of 
uh, season he, you know, wasn't the greatest at, but before that, two straight NFL MVPs. You can't look that over. Aaron Rodgers now in this Jets system, new coach, uh, and Robert Saleh for him, new coach for him, total new type of offense. You bring in Nathaniel Hackett to coach him up. So, Chris, let's start with you. Aaron Rodgers, the man of the hour in New York, does he still have it? See, this is a this is a tough one because again, he has been that dude for so many years, ever since being on the Packers and now on the Jets. Personally, looking at his situation and the season he just had, I'm gonna say he still does have it. I think so because the Packers last season were they were something else because they weren't the normal Packers we were used to seeing. High powered offense, great defense. They they were just overall not the same team that they always were. But now coming into this new Jets organization, I believe he's surrounded with greatness. You got young Garrett Wilson, who is looking like a stud in training camp. The chemistry between those two is great. You got Brees Hall coming back from an ACL. Hopefully he's coming back 100% healthy. But if he does 100%, he is arguably top 15 running back. He's up there, top 10. Like He has the young talent. He has the energy to be that guy for them at the running back position. But you got to look at last season, Aaron Rodgers having, I believe, his second most interceptions in the season with 12. I believe, I think it was 2008, he had like 13, I believe. So he wasn't as safe with the ball as he normally is because, again, I, he averages about four to five interceptions a season, which is outstanding for a quarterback. You love to see that. So last year was definitely a little, little mishap for him, something you got to look for again, see if he's able to clean that up again. But again, Aaron Rodgers has always been a smart dude. He knows how to throw a football. He knows how to make his reads. I have no doubt that he's still going to be the same Aaron Rodgers that we've always known. You know, Spence, I've been looking at Aaron Rodgers since the day he became a New York Jet. And I've been wondering this exact question. Does he still have it? Because last year was arguably one of the worst of his career. And he's showing signs of being a 38, 39-year-old quarterback. That's what Aaron Rodgers looked like last year. But the Jets are the hot team this offseason. They're going to be the hot team going into the regular season. And being from the area, I want to buy into it. I want to watch the Jets week in, week out, score 35-plus points every week, play lockdown defense, and win 13 or 14 games. I personally, as a Giant fan, want to see that. But... In the back of my mind, there's this lingering thought of, well, you know, he's he's 37, he's 38 years old, uh, he's 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 an old quarterback in a in a brand new environment. He's never played in a in a football town like New York before. It's it's really really concerning to me. But I've been thinking of this analogy, probably a bad analogy, but let's go with it anyway. You're an old man and your back hurts. You buy a chair, you get a ton of padding on the chair. And hopefully your back gets better. That's what Aaron Rodgers is here with the Jets because the padding are all these weapons that he has. I think arguably he has the best running back room in football when they sign Dalvin Cook. It's a matter of if not when because he's in training camp. He's watching everyone practice. He's on the, he's, he's a Jet. Also Bam, Bam Knight and, 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 and Brees Hall. This is the best running back room in football. The receiving core is phenomenal. The only issue here is going to be the offensive line if Aaron Rodgers is on his back all the time. So that's going to be the only problem here. 
I want to buy into it. I think Aaron Rodgers will succeed here. But I can't lie to you that the thought of him being an average 38, 39-year-old quarterback and repeating what the Jets did 15 years – or it's really 18 years ago now when they bring in Brett Favre and in this almost exact situation try and win a Super Bowl with an older – former Green Bay Packer quarterback. I can't help but think about it and draw up the scenarios in my head. I think it's going to work out in the end, though, but it's a really real possibility that this is a total nightmare for the Jets, and they're 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight this year. It's very, very possible. It, it Here's my thing. It would be so poetic if it ended up exactly like Brett Favre, right? <laughs> like as a as a, a football historian, I love looking at the storylines. It would be almost amazing if he sucked this year, retired, and then went to the Vikings next year when Kirk Cousins on his way out. I, I would love to see that just for the storyline. It won't happen like that, unfortunately. Aaron Rodgers is different, even though he did do the exact same Brett, uh, thing that Brett Favre did. Um, but going back to that chair, Joe, I like that analogy. You know, the chair. He's got some padding. My thing is, does he like the padding, okay? That padding could be perfect for him. It, it has been before. Uh, the Packers, you know, they haven't brought in as much padding, but they have brought in guys, young guys, for Aaron Rodgers to help and develop with. And he has never played nice with rookies or second-year or third-year guys, okay? Aaron Rodgers is so picky about the padding that's on his chair. So I worry for the Jets, since they are such a young team on offense, since Garrett Wilson is a second-year wide receiver, even though I think he's, he could be one of the top wide receivers in the NFL next year if everything works out, how is Aaron Rodgers going to bond with him? How is he going to do that? Is he finally going to you know, take that whole persona off? Or, oh, I don't play with rookies. I only bring in Randall Cobb, and I only play with you know all these wide receivers I've been playing with forever. I, I hope that Aaron Rodgers can look at this chair and be all like, this is the best chair I'm going to get right now. And I should sit in it and I should ride it all the way to the playoffs because I think that it is. This is uh, the best situation he could be in with the Jets. He's got a defense that uh, more than likely is going to be shut down, especially with their coach, defensive minded Robert Sala. Uh, I've always respected him and his defensive game plan. They will be stopping offenses week in and week out. It all depends on Aaron Rodgers. And he has such a good supporting cast. He has such good padding around him. Great running back room, like you mentioned. I, I don't know about the definite Dalvin Cook thing, okay? I don't know if that's definite yet. It looks to be, Joe. It looks to be like Dalvin Cook will sign with them. But I I agree with you. I think he has all of it there. It's just him. It's always been about him, and this year is no different. So Aaron Rodgers will definitely be interesting. Would I draft him in a fantasy football scenario? No. Personally, no. I wouldn't. Just because I think there are better options out there. I think there may be better, you know, upsides to different quarterbacks. But I think it's worth the risk if you're, you know, looking at the back end of the draft and you realize you don't really have a good starting quarterback. But let's move on in this segment to DeAndre Hopkins. Gosh, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL the past almost decade. I mean, uh, since his second year with Houston, he's been a consistent thousand yard receiver. Um, and with all those Houston quarterbacks, you know, back and forth, I guess you had, uh, Sean Watkins, um, or Watson, pardon me, uh, for a while there. Comes to Arizona, has a great year in 2020, 1400 yards. And then these past two seasons have been riddled with injuries, have been riddled with Kyler Murray not being the right quarterback for him, in my opinion. And now he's with the Titans. 
He's all the way over there where it seems like old wide receivers go to die. We all remember Randy Moss in the Titans uniform. So iconic. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins will be taking up the uh, navy blue and baby blue. Um, but uh, let's start with you, Joe. DeAndre Hopkins, it's a new situation for him. Does he still have it? There's another big question, Mark, and I think he still does because when he wants to be, he can still be a number one receiver in this league. And I think he's going to mesh well with a more veteran quarterback like Ryan Tannehill. And I think the entire offense of Tennessee is going to mesh a lot better because I didn't get to say this in my or in our running back segment, but people are really forgetting about Derrick Henry. Uh, this is a guy who is a human wrecking ball when he's running downhill with the ball in his hands. And I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year, which is going to help Ryan Tannehill number one. But it'll also help DeAndre Hopkins. I still think he has a ton left in the tank. And this is going to be the year that the Tennessee Titans piece it all together. They got the right coach with Vrabel. I still think the Tannehill in a contract year, I shouldn't really say contract year, he's an older quarterback. But in, a, in, in the last year of his contract, I think they're going to piece this together and go on some sort of run. And DeAndre Hopkins is the number one receiver the Tennessee Titans need. See, this is this has probably been the toughest one for me so far because it's it's so hard putting him in this new situation. And as you were saying, Spencer, the last two seasons have not been that great for him. He's had some injuries, hasn't been able to play a full season since 2020. So is he going to still be able to play at that level, being in the new system with the Tennessee Titans? Joe, you said with Ryan Tannehill. But if we're being honest, we don't know who the quarterback is just yet. It could be Ryan Tannehill. It could be Will Levis. It could be Malik Willis. We we do not know who that quarterback is going to be starting coming week one. We're still waiting to see what's going on with that. So, and you also say Derrick Henry. They've always been the team that's running the ball minimum 25 yards, 25 times a game, minimum. So that is going to take away so much from DeAndre Hopkins. The defenses are going to be focusing on Derrick Henry. So that's where you get the hope that maybe DeAndre Hopkins can find something downfield, get some yards, some touchdowns, who knows. But again, the Titans have always been centered around Derrick Henry, and we still don't know who the quarterback is going to be. My answer is, does he still have it? I think he does. but. I don't know if he's going to be get the st- statistics that he normally would have. I I see that. I think I think he absolutely still has the potential to be a very productive wide receiver. I mean, uh, he was still getting 160, 150 targets um, through 2020 before those two straight years where he got injured. And I'm I'm gonna be real. I think if DeAndre Hopkins is in any other town other than Arizona, I don't think he gets injured, and I don't think that he you know uh, misses all that time. Arizona has a classically laughable field. Okay, so many players get injured there every year. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, um, I, I don't remember which stadium he got injured in, but Arizona still they don't have a great training staff, and I think that him getting injured these past two years is a fluke. I don't think that's showing his age. I think that's showing his situation and also his reluctancy to get back. Arizona wasn't playing for anything these past two years. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins was on a team that was on playoff contention or, you know, uh, uh, for sure going to make the playoffs guaranteed. He would have come back or he would have, you know, tried better to come back here. Um, But I think this situation in Tennessee, I think it, even though I don't feel great about it, he could have gone a lot of places this off season. 
I think it could still work for him because, like Joe, you mentioned, Derrick Henry is, you know, the the, the center of that offense. So DeAndre Hopkins is going to get a lot of looks on play action. Okay, you got to remember that. Uh, deep down the field on, you know, one-on-ones, maybe on a double move here or there, DeAndre Hopkins is going to get his targets from Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill is a veteran and he knows how to get that ball there. Sure, it could be, you know, one of the two younger quarterbacks, either Will Levis or, or uh, uh, Malik Willis, but... uh for right now, I'm pretty sure Tannehill's got that job. So could he be a low-end wide receiver, too, on a fantasy team? I believe so. And I think he's worth taking a little bit of a risk, um, you know, maybe in those mid-rounds, uh, to jump on him and make sure that you can get him for your squad in order to secure a, a decent wide receiver, too, maybe even a flex. Um Tanner Atkins, very interesting situation. I hope he bounces back. He is such a pleasure to watch. He is so dominant when he gets into the open field and when he, you know, go for those jump balls. Just uh, a great wide receiver to watch. Moving on, though, we'll bring it back to New York City with their recent addition of Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a guy who, uh, gosh, was one of the best tight ends in the league a couple years ago, and then he kind of fell off. An injury here and there, you know, a quiet season here and there, and, you know, people are kind of forgetting about him. But let's remember, Darren Waller uh, was in talks to be, you know, a top three tight end with uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. He was really dominant on the field for the Raiders, and I think that uh, going to New York with the Giants puts him in a decent situation. But, Chris, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Darren Waller with the Giants? So I'm going to try to be not biased. I'm going to do my absolute best here being a Giants fan. But past two weeks, I was able to attend uh, two of the Giants training camps, witness their practice, see what it's like, see what the plan is for them. And let me just tell you this. Darren Waller, Daniel Jones, that connection is going to be something else. They've already built a chemistry that is like no other. Darren Waller is making so much separation. He's almost open on every single route he is running. And just he is known for his contested catches, getting up there, high pointing it and bringing that down every time. And that is what I expect out of him this season. Again, don't get me wrong. Last two seasons, hasn't played a full season since 2020. Didn't get the whole thousand yards like he did those two years ago, three years ago, I believe. People are already counting him out. He's getting old. He's, I believe, 30 or 31. He, he's getting up there in age. So it's a, it's a tough spot for him. He really needs to show this season that he's still that tight end because he's hitting that point where age-wise, he's not going to be able to keep hitting the same strides, the same speed. It's not going to be the same tight end that he was a few years ago. But again... I have such high hopes for this new offense in general. We're bringing all the pieces back. You got you got Waller. Saquon just signed the one-year deal. We brought back Darius Slayton. Th- this team has hope. And let me tell you this. Paris Campbell, too, in that offense, he's doing some great things with his speed, opening up the field, stretching it downfield. I believe Darren Waller is going to be one of the best tight ends. I believe top three this year. I think fantasy-wise, this hits or it really tanks Darren Waller's draft ranking and overall just how you would approach rostering Darren Waller because number one, like you said, Spence, he's in the he's on the other side of thirty. 
He's had a couple of rough years. And now you put him with a very good young tight end, Daniel Bellinger, with the Giants, who I love. And I think it's going to work really good for the Giants. Fantasy-wise, I would 100% stay away from Waller. And I agree with you, Chris. I haven't been to Giants camp. But Paul Dottino has been putting out some great stuff, and, and, and the connection between the two seems to be really strong. And as a Giants fan, I absolutely love it. But when it comes to fantasy football, I'm staying away from because I know it's going to be a, 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 a virtually 50-50 split between Bellinger and Waller when it comes to who's getting the ball. And I, I, I absolutely love it for the Giants, but I want a tight end who is the number one tight end. And I would obviously take a Dallas Goddard, uh, even a George Kittle right now, with, even with all the injuries. I'd still rather take him in, 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 to be my tight end over Darren Wall because I want the number one guy. I don't want a guy who's a 50-50 number one tight end. I don't want it. Fair reasoning. I, I totally get that. Uh, Darren Waller is a question mark coming into the season. Uh, you know, he's getting a little older. Can he do it? And uh, a great point that, you know, the Giants have a young tight end that they're crazy about. The fan base is crazy about. I, I've heard so much about Bellinger. Um, and to bring in Darren Waller, you know, uh, wasn't a head scratching move, but it's all like, how is that going to work? How are you going to fit both of them in? And it just depends on how uh, Coach Brian DeBall is going to game plan that. And honestly, I don't doubt that he'll, you know, game plan Darren Waller to get open, you know, five, six times a game. I think Darren Waller is going to get his targets. It just depends on, you know, if Daniel Jones can get him the ball properly and if he'll find open space to get extra yards. And I think Waller can be a spark plug on the team. I think he'll be good for the Giants. Fantasy-wise, maybe remains to be seen. I think he does have it, but does he have it for your fantasy team? I would be leaning towards no. And, fellas, I'm saving... The most mysterious one for last, one that always boggles my mind, and I can't have a strong opinion on it because it is so 50-50 up in the air. This is a guy that has a place in the heart of every kid who watched football in middle school uh, in 2014-2015. After the catch he made against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, Odell Beckham Jr., has been a myth in the NFL. Uh, one-handed catches. The, the whole trend, that was started by him, okay? Wide receivers going up, doing crazy things. All his antics in New York before he went over to Cleveland and played there for a couple seasons. Then when his dad released that video and he got released and was able to go to the Rams and win a Super Bowl there, tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl, unfortunately, Odell Beckham Jr. since has not played a game since he won that ring. And now he finds himself in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, undoubtedly got his payday and got his number one wide receiver, which was uh, two of the biggest question marks in the league coming into this offseason. But can OBJ be a number one wide receiver anymore? He's torn his ACL multiple times now. He has not played football in a year. Does he still have it? It's one of the biggest questions in my mind because I can Cannot say. I think the talent is there. I think the drive is there. But can he still do it? Joe, let's start with you. Odell Beckham Jr., does he still have it, man? He still has it. And it's not a question of if he still has it or not. It's is he going to be healthy or not? Because when he's healthy, he's a, a, a fantastic receiver. And it didn't really work out in Cleveland. But you saw it with the Giants. You saw it late in the season with the Rams and down the playoff run. He is a fantastic wide receiver. And if he's healthy, 
he's going to be a phenomenal uh, toy for Lamar Jackson to play around with, to throw the ball downfield and get up for 50-50 balls. He can do wacky stuff around the field. He's a fantastic receiver. And I do think you mentioned his, his, his antics in New York. I think he's matured as a person. He's 30 years old now. I think that's in the past. I think you can move past it now and he can stick to football and play football. But if he's healthy, he's a number one receiver. But would it shock you guys if he plays three, four, five games this year, racks up close to 400 yards or something, and then is done for the year and you never hear of Odell Beckham Jr. again? Like, that wouldn't shock me about Odell, and that's just the way his career's gone. It's really sad because you said it, Spence. We, me and Chris grew up watching him for our team. It was like nothing we've seen before in the Giants because historically, even when the Giants won the two Super Bowls in 07-11, those are defensive-oriented teams. Eli had good, not great receivers. They got by without it. But when Odell comes in and the Giants have this fiery receiver that can get up and, 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 and grab balls and do all this crazy stuff, it was like nothing we've really seen before in a really long time. So it, it's, 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 it's special for me and Chris. It's close to home. And I think he can really still do it. But he's got to stay healthy for him to be able to achieve what you're talking about, Spence, and try and get back to his or how he played in his days in New York. I will never forget watching that one-handed catch because it might have been the greatest day of my life. I think that was the day where my family hated every football Sunday because they knew what was going to happen every time. Screaming, yelling in the house. It was insane. Odell was the guy I grew up with. It is Hard for me to say this. I do not believe he still has it. We're talking about injuries. If you can be 100%, you're going to be great. Yes, you can say that for anyone. I'm currently looking at his injury history right now. In his time of playing football, he has had 17 injuries. That is something that you do not hear very often. Even even like slight tweaks, all that. Totaled up 17 injuries. And in the past... Three years since 2020, he's tore his ACL twice. So to say now he's going to come back, yes, he has a great quarterback in Lamar Jackson. The question is with him, though, does he have the arm? Can he get it downfield 50, 60 yards? Can he get it down there? He's always been known for taking it himself, running it, getting 30, 40-yard carries. He, that's what he's known for. The situation he's in is very tough for me to see him succeed. He's just coming off that, that ACL in the Super Bowl. So this is a very recent injury. And again, ACL. So for me to say he's going to come back this season and be the O that I grew up with, I, I can't see that happening. So I really hope he does well this season with the Ravens. But logistically and off of his history, I think this might be the last season for him. The grim scenario. And it's one that football fans hate to see. And this happens every generation of football players where there'll be a guy who has the talent of nobody you've ever seen before. And Otto Beckham is one of those premier generational talents that just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, back in the eighties, you had Barry Sanders, you have guys like Calvin Johnson couldn't stay healthy. Then you got Otto Beckham who, if he could have stayed on the field all these years could have been maybe one of the greatest to ever do it. But I have a good feeling. And I know that's not what you want to hear because you want, you know, you know, definite, oh, here's the stats. I've got a good feeling, okay? Odell Beckham Jr. is just one of those guys that can make magic happen wherever he's at. And don't get me wrong. He's had some good quarterbacks thrown to him. 
but I think Lamar Jackson is the best he's had uh, by far in his career. Lamar Jackson is very underrated as a passer because everybody looks at those rushing stats and says he's a running back, but I think he can sling the ball better than, you know, almost every quarterback in the league, uh, bar a couple. And I think this is just going to be a good scenario for him. Coach Harbaugh out there is a great mind. He knows how to work with those good offensive pieces that he gets. Even in years where they've been abbreviated, where he's dealt with some injuries, like, uh, you know, uh, two seasons he played with New York where he played 12 games only, he still was a 1,000-yard receiver. And these past couple of years where he was in Cleveland and disgruntled and not liking the situation, it may have been a mentality thing where he's like, I don't like the situation here. I don't want to be playing, so I'm not going to try my best. That could be it. When he got to the Rams, though, in 2021, those eight games he played, he was a game changer. Five touchdowns in eight games, okay? And that's not even counting, I, I, I don't think, the Super Bowl run that they made uh, where he caught the, the first touchdown in that game. So I think Odo Beckham, if he's happy and coming off of a year where he hasn't had any physical strain, I think it's worth at least taking a look. I think if he's on a waiver wire somewhere, I think it's worth starting him a couple weeks if you're a fantasy manager. Drafting him? Don't know about that. I think it would be a risk even in a later round. But Odo Beckham Jr. just has upside. I, I I have a feeling that this year he could actually bounce back and be a very good contributor to that Baltimore team. Uh, he won't be the Odo Beckham of the past, but it'll be a new one and in a role that he can contribute at at a level that's real for him. He doesn't need to play the whole season. He doesn't need to be catching 100 balls a season. But he will be contributing. He will be getting red zone targets. And I think it's worth at least taking a look at him if you're down a wide receiver a week here, a week there. But, guys, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Ice in the Ticker. It was great talking with you guys. You, you both know ball. I, I, I love that. I, I, I love the opinions today. I think it's been far too long since any of us have talked about football with this long summer of baseball and, you know, uh, basketball in the spring. I am very, very glad that we'll be watching the gridiron here uh, just this week with the Hall of Fame game. And I'm glad that those fantasy football drafts will be, you know, popping up here soon. Folks, that's going to do it. I've been your host, Spencer Gonzalez. Thank you to Chris Jones and Joe Morales for being here. And it's so long until next week for Icing the Ticker.